Thank you for joining me in my hen house. Nicole's Hen House is an audio space dedicated to the stories of women in the roles of business, healthcare, entertainment, and politics. I'm a millennial mama on a mission to tell the stories of women's influence in our culture. As always, cheering for you. Today's guest is Mary Elizabeth Land. She's a New Jersey native who's made her way to the South by way of Erskine College, where she received her Bachelor of Arts, then Clemson University for her Master's, and a brief return to Long Island University, where she received her Master's of Library Science. She has been the director of Abbeville County Library System for 17 years and provides much needed insight to the ways libraries impact our community. Well, I'm Mary Elizabeth Land, and first I want to thank you so much for allowing me to do this. I'm so excited. Um, I listen to podcasts all the time, but I've never been on one, so I'm excited for, to go through these questions. I am the director of the Abbeville County Library System, and what that means is that we have three public libraries in our county, and I oversee the three libraries. The collection, the staff, the budgeting, anything that has to do with providing public library service to the people of Abbeville County. It's the most fun job ever. It really is. I love it. Do you have, so when, every, so when I think of county library systems, I think of like inter-share library loan, um, children's summer reading programs, adult education programs. So how does your role oversee all of that? All of it, absolutely, yeah. Um, so that includes certainly, as you said, programming, special programming for children, anything like that. Um, but also the day-to-day -day of providing internet access to those folks who don't have it in their homes, uh, which is a, a lot of what we do now. Um, obviously collections, we've got people coming in all the time with wanting the new book or needing the new book or wanting suggestions about books. And so we still do what people think of as kind of traditional library work, which is connecting people with books. but we're also connecting them in all other kinds of ways as well. So whether it's downloadable materials that you can access for free, whether it's, as I said, using the internet or getting help with the internet. We get folks who come in, they need to apply for a job. The only way to do it is online, but they've never used a computer before. They don't have an email address. It's all new to them. Oh, wow. And all they really want to do is just apply for this job. So we do a lot of those kinds of things on the fly that I think was not part of librarianship, certainly 30 years ago. Okay, so how long have you been in practice? Well, I was a children's librarian before I went into library administration. Okay. So um, I kind of come up through the children's side of things, and then I have been at this job for 17 years. Really? Yes. I didn't mm -hmm. know you'd been in Abbeville that long. Yes, absolutely. I'm coming up on the 20-year mark. Uh, it's funny because I have meetings that I go to with colleagues from around the state, and it feels like two or three years ago, I thought I was the new kid on the block, and now I look around and I think, oh, I'm one of those old ones now. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing how you turn around and, and 15 years have gone by, but um, it's, it's really been wonderful, and it's been wonderful to see um, some of the changes in Abbeville and some of the things that, that remain the same. Absolutely. No, I, I don't know what it is, but I think Abbeville County, everyone had a great aunt who lived in Abbeville County at one time or another. We get more folks who come in doing research for local history and genealogy. It's very, very popular here. Uh, one particular reason for that is that if you look back, this whole region of the state used to be called the Abbeville District. So a lot of folks who maybe they're in Missouri or they're in Texas, they look and they see that they had family in the Abbeville district. So of course what they do is they contact Abbeville. Right. But what used to be that whole region, now parts of that are in Greenwood County, parts of it are in McCormick County. Okay. So we get folks coming to us who even are not truly looking for modern day Abbeville. But of course they don't know those distinctions. So we're helping folks not only just with what's truly 
modern Abbeville, but also what used to be that Abbeville district. So we get lots and lots of genealogy and local history uh, requests. We used to have um, a volunteer who was just fabulous, and she would be there every Tuesday afternoon and just hang out at the library in our local genealogy area to help folks get started, and, and that was a wonderful, wonderful resource. She has been ill lately and has not been able to, to do that for us, but we've taught some with the Historical Society, those kinds of things, because we always want to be kind of fostering that collection and those folks who are interested in saving that history. Uh, we also have the Press and Banner, which is our local newspaper, um, on microfilm back to the 1800s. So we get oh, wow. lots of folks who love to come in and they'll, they're looking for obituaries for family members or they're looking for, you know, who are my teammates on the Abbeville baseball team in 1962? And they can go oh, back boy. and find those things. It's really fun. Yeah. We um, also just, if you ever want to just come and spend some really fun time, we have the old yearbooks for all the local high schools and um, we'll get kids who come in and they want to see, you know, they want to see their grandmother's yearbook picture or they want to laugh at what their parents were wearing at the high school and that sort of thing. And that's always fun. Family history, genealogy. Um, so when people come in to do their history and they, like, let's say they just want to figure out not necessarily where their family's from but what their family did, are those archives available or how would somebody find that information? We do have... Um, some materials that are more anecdotal, so books that people have written sort of on reflections of when I grew up, those kinds of things. And those tend to have more the kind of stories that you're talking about. So more the social history aspect rather than dates of birth and death and those kinds of things. Um, so we certainly, though any of those things that have been published, like Tales of Calhoun Falls, um, remembrances of Due West, those kinds of things. We have all of those as well. Okay, so the Abbeville County Library is Abbeville? Calhoun Falls and Donald's. Donald's. And okay. Donald's is a, our smallest location. It serves the Donald's and Due West communities. Okay. And so um, for those folks who aren't as familiar with Abbeville, the, the county has as its seat a town that has the same name. So it's Abbeville County and it's the right. town of Abbeville. And it does, absolutely. It really, really does. I was um, not familiar with that. <laughs> <laughs> like, wait, and cities and counties have the same name here. I'm not used to that. Yeah, I, I was not either. But, um, but you're right. In South Carolina, that does happen. And um, interestingly, in Abbeville County, the town of Abbeville, which is the county seat, is also pretty central to the county, which right. doesn't always happen. You know, sometimes right. it's up in one real section of the county or another. Here, it's, it's pretty central. And so we have one branch that's 15 miles in one direction and one branch that's 15 miles in another location. Okay. So that works out pretty well. We've got the county pretty well covered that way. The other thing that's sort of unusual that we do using our branch libraries is that we have very staggered hours so that for example, we have one library that's open on Sunday afternoon. Mm -hmm. It might not be the closest library for you, but when your child says, oh, by the way, I have a report due tomorrow. Right. Right? <laughs> I mean, you, you, there, we've got a library that's open. Um, we've got, um, for example, Donald's is open late on Monday nights, whereas Abbeville's late, open late on Tuesdays and Thursday nights. So we try to stagger those hours. When you look at the schedule, it looks a little wonky, but when you think it through, what it means is we're getting as close as we can to having a library open at all times. Right. Again, might not be your closest one, but at least it's there if you need it. I don't think 15 miles is too out of the way, though. You know, I think in rural areas, we get used to driving places. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we just, if you want to go see a movie, it's going to be 15 miles. If you yeah. want to go to, you know... I hate to say Walmart, but if you you know but if you need to go to those kinds of places, often you're driving 15 miles. So. So where I'm from in Alabama, we didn't measure things by miles; we did it by time. So mm. like, okay, our movie theater is 6.3 miles from my house. That's going to take me 27 minutes to right, get there. Right, right. I think of Atlanta that way too. I mean, yeah. distance means nothing when you're talking about how long it's going to take to get somewhere yeah. in the Atlanta area. So when so when I moved here and people started comparing distance, I was like, don't compare distance. <laughs> yes, it's 15 miles away, but you're going to get there in 12 minutes. Right, right, exactly. That's yeah. manageable. That's manageable. Um, I 
would much rather be somewhere in 12 minutes than have to wait half an hour to go seven miles. Um, yeah. Um, okay, so let's go over some more of these questions. What were the biggest influences to encourage you to pursue? Did you pursue library studies or did you go into research? Well, actually, first, when I, uh, when I first went to graduate school, I went and got a master's degree in English. And I taught English on the college level for several years. I taught at Clemson University uh, oh, and wow. at Erskine College. Okay. And I enjoyed that very, very much. And um, then it was sort of time I needed either to go and get my PhD, mm -hmm. um, because I had a master's in English, or do something else. And I wasn't really sure that I wanted to pursue the PhD in English. And so what I did was I went and I got a master's degree in library science. Okay. And, um, and it's been fantastic. It was a very good thing for me. But it was also great that I had that American literature background that I could bring with me to the job as well. So um, for a long time in my, you know, in quotes, spare time, I also worked as an adjunct at Erskine College. So I sort of kept my foot in the, in the door of teaching at the college level. And that's always fun. It's a, it's a great experience to kind of share that material with, um, with students. But now I'm just running the libraries full time, and, um, and that's enough to keep me busy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess, so shifting from college students, where you just see college students that are like, I can't mm -hmm. figure out this formatting, or I don't know how to find this book, to now you work with like kids, my kids' age. Right. Those are excellent questions. And I will tell you, it's probably one of the things that I like most about the job that I have now. Uh, as I said, when I, when I first went to get my master's in library science, my thought had been that I would be an academic librarian, that I would still be on college campuses, but I would okay. be in the library setting rather than in the classroom, or at least not in the classroom exclusively. And then I started library school, and as happens to many, many people, as I was in the process of being in grad school, I found that really what I loved more than anything was talking to five-year-olds about books. Right? <laughs> that it really okay. just doesn't get any better than that. Um, and that, that you know, 20-year-olds are great, but nothing beats the joy in a four-year-old's eyes you know, when you're reading a great book to them. And I really, I also, when you think about people who influenced me, I had a, an incredible children's literature professor uh, in library school who really thought that working with children in libraries was the most important thing anyone could ever do. And it was great. I mean, there, there are a lot of folks who kind of go, like with kindergarten teaching, oh, isn't that cute what you do? That must be so fun. And right. her attitude was, you are building the next generation, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, yeah. and, and I think that gave it um, um, seriousness of purpose that we don't always think about. And so that was really wonderful, and I found that I both loved it and felt that it was incredibly important. And so I really then went into services for children. And so uh, the first five years, give or take, that I was a librarian, I was in a children's department in New York, just outside New York City. Really? Yeah. So you like lived through, you got mail. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Right. And hearing you say that, it reminds me of that scene. Well, I'll take Meg Ryan any day. Where she puts on her hat and has her reading hat. Right. Yes, exactly. Each one, like, she has several of them. Um, yeah, that's what that reminds me of. Yeah. And, but it is so important. Like, I know with my kids, like, my son, it was really hard to get him to engage with reading. He's two. We have a routine now, so it's three little books before bed. Everybody gets in the big bed. We read three books. Right. It's easy, but it's so important. It is. It's so important for fostering literacy and also for fostering those bonds. You know, that's those are traditions that they look back on. Uh, I always tell parents one of the best things you can do if you want your kids to be readers is to let them see you reading. Mm -hmm. 
if all they see is that you're watching television, they are not going to get the idea that reading is a great thing. And um, in my household, and I don't, I know my mother was not doing this on purpose. She's just a reader. Um, but her thing was, you got your chores done, and then you got to sit down and read. In her world, that was the that was the motivator. You know, that was when you were ready for a break, you got to read a good book. And so I just grew up with that idea that it was a great thing. It was right up there with ice cream and lollipops and anything else that was a treat, that was what you got to do once the work was done. So I think when, when kids grow up seeing that, it really does give them a different idea of what reading is. That's we need right. This. Exactly. We absolutely. Need this. Absolutely. And it's funny, I think a lot of times people assume that librarians won't approve of e readers. I get people who'll say, like, you know, it's almost like it's confession time, like, oh, yeah. I've gotten a Kindle. My feeling is books are books, and I really don't care what form you read them in. In fact, um, my mom, who's 87, is a huge, huge user of ebooks for. A reason that a lot of folks don't necessarily think of, you can change the font, the font signs. Size. And so, yeah. you know, for seniors who traditionally maybe fought against that e-reader um, thing a little bit, what they realize is you can make anything a large print book. And that can add years and years of your reading mm -hmm. as, you know, as sight tends to, to get harder, I mean, I know I'm pulling out my reading glasses now. Mm -hmm. um, it's great that you could change the font size on things. So, you know, don't feel that you have to apologize to your librarian for e-readers. We're we're all about books, whatever form you like them in. Um. So, I have I've had a really hard time reading hardbacks because I'll put them down and forget where I lost my place. And when I read, it's at night. But I like to read in bed. Mm -hmm. So. I share, like, Constance and I still co-sleep, so I can read on my phone while she's asleep. Right. And I love that. Um Hi, babe chicks. If you are enjoying this content or want more in-depth content, please go visit the website, nicoleshenhouse.com. After the show, I would be so appreciative if you left a review on any of the listening platforms. Thanks for listening. However, I still buy a lot of hardbacks. So that is a good transition into the next question. What is the most misunderstood thing about your field? Oh, I think the thing that, that always sort of makes me laugh is um, people who really don't use libraries and haven't been in libraries much. And, you know, there are people who grow up their families are not library users. They've never been in, you know, in the habit of using libraries. That was, it's, it's so different from the way I grew up. But there are folks who just don't have a lot of experience in libraries. And so part of what they get is this idea from what libraries seemed like they were 100 years ago. Right. And so I'll get folks who say like, oh, it must be so nice just to sit and read all day. And I think, well, I bet it would be. And when I retire, <laughs> I'll find out. Right. That would <laughs> but be a nice um, yeah, but I, I think that people don't realize how active librarianship is, how much you know we are likely to be, yes, checking books in and out, um, but also, as I said, helping somebody get an email address, talking to a book club about things that they might enjoy reading this year, being at a first grade class and talking about what, how libraries work and how to get a library card. Um, it's a lot more varied and probably a lot more active than a lot of people realize. That's also, not to jump ahead, probably the thing that I like the most about the job is that every day my days are very, very different. Um, so, for example, this afternoon I'm going to be speaking at a local book club. Um, tomorrow will be a much quieter day. I'm going to be working with a lot of the new books that have come in and cataloging some of the new materials. So that tends to be much more sort of me at a desk. Okay. Um, but two days from now I'm representing Abbeville County at a 
statewide meeting. And then the day after that, I'm speaking to one of the classes of second graders. So every day is a little bit different and every day is probably a little bit more active than people picture when they think about librarianship. did until high school so because I grew up in a rural area we did not go to the library very often because it was about 30 minutes away mm -hmm. um, and then when we changed districts it was like this is a 12-minute drive we can do this and that's and really we did it for movies um, so I totally understand why people don't get it especially in rural areas mm -hmm. because if you live 30 minutes from a library you're not gonna know but 15 or 20 like you can do that <laughs> especially if you're looking for economical resources to meet needs right or to do basic research um, so we'll move on to our next question where do you see women having the biggest influence in your field well librarianship is unusual or in a lot from a lot of fields in that it's one of the things that women have always had a huge role in libraries. You know, um, libraries and schools are the places where you would see women working right. even when women didn't work many other spots. Mm -hmm. um, what you used to see that I think has changed a lot is that it used to be that there was one man who was the director or the, you know, and in the same way that schools, they might have one male, he was the principal, and then all the teachers were, were right. female. And, you know, and I'm talking, going back even 100 years ago, right. that was the case. You know, you had a, one superintendent, he was male, and all the teachers throughout a district were female, or certainly the majority of them. So, so females have always had a majority role in libraries, not always in the administration of libraries. Right. Um, so I would say certainly now you're going to see that library directors are as likely to be female as they are male. Um, they are as likely to be female at the head of the American Library Association as they are male. That was not always the case, but it certainly is now. Um, so it's not a, it's not a profession that has much of a glass ceiling at all. It really just doesn't. That's so encouraging. Um, so, it, what was the biggest obstacle you encountered getting to this point in your career? Like, was there one hurdle that you thought, "Man, I just don't know if this is worth the end goal," or like, "I'm just not sure." Did you have anything like that? I did not have a lot in that way, to be quite honest. I was, was very, very lucky. Um, I would say always with any kind of academic career that is going to require a lot of schooling, you do have to think about the financial aspects of it. Um, many, many people, whether it's in librarianship or in um, higher ed, will say, you know, I spent so many years in school to do this, and then you don't really make a whole lot of money. Right. So, um, so you can end up with lots of student debt, um, and I was incredibly lucky that I finished my first master's degree and I had no student debt. Um, so yeah, it really was, it, it, and it gave me a freedom to do things that a lot of other folks just, just wouldn't have. But I did have to um, take out loans when I went and got the the degree in library science. And so it's, I, I would say that's, it was not a huge obstacle and I had lots of, of support from family and friends, but um, you know, it's just something you have to think about, mm -hmm. the, the practicalities yeah. of um, weighing out the, the financial output. For example, in a lot of ways I would love, there's a, a program at Simmons College that is a master's degree in children's literature. And I would love to fun. do it. I mean, just, yeah, exactly. It just sounds like fun. Um, but it's also incredibly expensive. And I, you know, so you think, well, yeah, it sounds like fun, but it's a really expensive way to have a little academic fun. Yeah. So, um, so I think those are the, the things mm -hmm. that you have to balance out. I, so when I was in college, breaking children's literature down, I thought it was, hey, like, this is mind-blowing, like, to break down the sentence structure of children's literature is hilarious. Like Ronald Dahl, like he's a genius. Mm -hmm. Brilliant work. Couldn't agree more. Um, so then when you think about doing a concentrated academic study on that, like it's fun, but it's also like you're actually making space in your brain for this information to Absolutely. Fit. Yeah. I I so enjoyed that. Um, okay, so let's go through some more of these questions. 
so there's not a shortage of women working in your field. No, there really isn't. Um, and you actually do enjoy your work. I love it. Um, it's so, what's refreshing about you is that you like what you do. It's so rare to find someone that is completely immersed in their field and don't get sick of it. And can you give insight on why that's like you, so you mm -hmm. don't do the same thing every day. So that's invigorating. That's a huge and part like, of it. Absolutely. Seen, I mean, I've known you on and off for the past six years and it, it doesn't look like you've experienced any kind of burnout. No, absolutely not. Now, I mean, you know, no one has great days every single day, right. but most of my days are really pretty great. One thing that I very much value about, about my position is that I can say yes, rarely no, um, to things as I want to. I mean, there are lots of meetings that I can decide to attend or I can say, no, that's not really the best use of my time. I have a, a good bit of autonomy in the way that I set up any given day. And um, I think that's something that I really value and that helps fight against burnout. I, there are very few things that I've really truly got someone else saying, you must be at this, you know. That's um, so nice. It is, it really is. Um, so, it, so a lot of it is self-motivation and that's a, a great way to live. Um, you know, there's some paperwork that just has to be done. If the money's gonna come in and out, the paperwork's gotta get done. Um, so you have to always make room for those sorts of things. But I do have a lot of autonomy in the way that any particular day looks, and I, I do value that a lot. Um, also, because we've got three libraries, I'm out and about in the communities, and um, the board has always been really not only supportive of that, my library board, not only supportive of that, but, but really genuinely wants me to foster that, that idea that I shouldn't be, you know, at a desk in the back room where no one knows who I am or what I'm doing. We should be out in the community representing libraries and telling the people mm -hmm. what we can do and what we can offer them, and that these resources are, are free of charge. You know, that's, that's so important to a lot of our population. So for example, like at Hogs and Hens, which is a big street fair that we've got coming up, yeah. the library will be out there, you know, how, doing crafts with kids, and um, we take part in a lot of community events, which I think is really important. It is. Um, so when it comes to Abbeville County Library, and you guys have your board, is it a board, is it a board where you're appointed to the position, or is it an elected position? No, it, the, the board members are appointed by county council, and the hope is that each area of the county is represented by a library board member. Okay. Um, it's, it's set up that way in South Carolina. Other states do it differently. Right. Um, but in South Carolina, we tend to have county-based systems. And, um, and typically, the, the library boards are set up so that they represent different locations within any given county. I think it's a good thing. Um, because I did not grow up here, I don't have any particular allegiances to one area of the county or another, and I think administrators shouldn't. Right. Um, but it's, it's probably good practice that we make sure that all parts of, of an area are really given what they need and representative in the way that they should be. So I think it's, I think it's a good system. And, uh, I've always had a, a really very good board, a very active board, and a board that's particularly interested in making sure that we're providing top quality materials and resources. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's been a good experience. So do you guys write, the, write grants for, to get materials or to expand? Um, how do you guys get your funding if it, because I know right. the board is its own thing. No, that's a, that's a great question. My, my favorite funding question was one day I was speaking to, I don't know, second grade, third grade, something like that, and I'd, I'd been talking about all the things that libraries have, and we have all these books, and we have this, and we have that, and then this one little boy raised his hand and he said, it's so nice of you to buy all of that for us. <laughs> and I thought, oh, honey, if it were based on my pocketbook, we'd have a lot fewer books in the library, but it was the sweetest right. thing. Um, so we get our funding really from several different places. The biggest part of our funding is county millage. Okay. 
because we're a, a county system in South Carolina. Um, and in Abbeville County, we have a millage. So it's a set amount of your taxes that go to pay for the libraries. Um, in fact, sometimes I'll, I always say to children, you know, libraries are free. Right. To adults, I say, you've already paid for your libraries. You know, right. I mean, that, you're paying for them whether you use them or not. So, heck, let's use them. Right, um, yeah. Absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm all for good value. And if you're going to pay for it, make sure that you're getting the most you can from it. So that's the biggest part of our funding is county millage. We also, in the state of South Carolina, get state aid. So uh, every year we get a set state aid amount. And then beyond that, we do apply for federal grants, state grants, and private donations as well. So um, we've gotten all kinds of grants from literary, literacy foundations, from local businesses, we've gotten several federal grants through the years, and those are things that you apply for and then have paperwork that, you know, you have to show where you spent the money and that you spent it as you, as you said that you would. Um, so those are our three main funding sources. So how do you guys go about getting new resources, like new titles, new um, subscriptions, if you have to replace a computer, are those things mm -hmm. that you write grants for, or? No, that's part of, of our, that's part of our operating budget. Okay. We're always buying new materials. I mean, you know, the hot new James Patterson book is going to come out once a month, right. and we've <laughs> got to have it. So, yeah. um, so we're buying, yes, yeah, exactly. We're, um, we're, ordering books all of the time mm -hmm. and um, same with DVDs same with music CDs mm -hmm. puzzles and puppets and you name it we're ordering that stuff all the time um, nothing makes me happier than having to replace a book because it was so well loved so read so many times that yeah. we just have to replace it and um, I, I just or late last week had to order um, the Titanic book um, by Walter Lord, uh, I think it's A Night to Remember, okay. which has been around forever and ever and ever. And our copy just looked like it had been through the Titanic. Right. Uh, so it had been well, well loved. And so, so we're always ordering new things and you know, making sure that the collection is, is up to snuff and as it needs to be. Um, the hardest things always, collection-wise, are those materials that change often. For example, um, materials about technology. You know, th those things change so much, even more so about medical conditions or pharmaceuticals, those kinds of things. Because on the one hand, it's so important that you have up-to-date information. You never want to be giving somebody information that doesn't reflect the newest findings, but those things are also expensive. And so, you know, those are where you're always kind of fighting um, to make the budget fit all those resources that you yeah. would like to have. And those are some of the... <laughs> it's a double-edged sword with technology. On the one hand, it's great that you can get databases that have up-to-date information and that sort of thing. At the same time, especially with medical information, you don't want somebody just Googling, you know, right. what might or might not be wrong with them. So, right. it, the, so those the things like medical resources are always challenging. Okay, that makes sense. Um, it's important to know that, you know, guests who come to the library know that you actually do care. Absolutely. And that you'll take this kind of thing seriously. Like, we can help you research this, but like, you also need to do your due diligence. But we're going to get you in the It started in the right direction. That's right, exactly. And so often it's making sure that you're using resources that are really verified and worthwhile and don't have an agenda of their own, you right. know. Um, that's actually kind of heartwarming to hear. It's not something that you think about when you think of a librarian. It's like oh, this is medical research, but ultimately, you guys can research anything. Absolutely, absolutely. So and I'm amazing. so glad you said that because it's. I guess if we're talking about things that people don't realize, I think when we think about asking the librarian a question, people have this idea like unless it's how tall is Kilimanjaro. You right. shouldn't bother the librarian with it. Right. And I'm always telling my friends, they'll say like, oh, I'm trying to find this, or I'm trying to find that. I'll say, well, did you call the library? No, I wouldn't bother the library with that. And I'm like, well, we're there to answer questions. So sometimes 
to be quite honest with you, sometimes it's the goofier questions that are the most fun for us. Okay. We'll start looking through stuff and we've got pretty soon we've got three librarians trying to find out the answer to this question because it's, it, they're interesting, they're different. You shouldn't ever, ever feel like your question isn't valid enough or important enough. Um, you know, we don't expect that the information we give you, you're going to turn around and write an academic article about it. You may just be curious. Who was Elizabeth Taylor's third husband? We'll find out for you, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's, that's okay. And, and those are, are fun questions for us to answer as well. Okay. Um, yeah, I do appreciate the range that you guys have for what you can look up. Um, all right, so let's, do you mind if I keep oh, good, going? Absolutely. Okay, so what is an accomplishment that you are most proud of regarding your work? Oh, um, I would say there are two okay. um, or three. <laughs> In, I would say the, most, the general answer is that it really, really pleases me to see the libraries being used and being vibrant places. Yes. Uh, so that when you walk in, they, it, it doesn't seem like you know, it's three people asleep in a corner. It seems like the children's room is hopping and people are on computers and people are asking questions and there's, there are teens over picking out books in the teen area. And, and that thrills me when I walk in to any of our libraries and see it really being used and really be, being vibrant. Um, and, and so that I'm always proud of. Sort of hand in hand with that goes the fact that we built a new library uh, almost six years ago now and um, I'm very very proud of that because it's always a huge undertaking it's always a huge budgetary um, undertaking and it really shows that the community values what we do and values the importance of quality of life for its citizens. So I'm, I'm really, really proud that we were able to do that. What we did was we took an empty big box building. So it had been a, an unused grocery store building. Mm -hmm. And instead of just sitting there getting worse and worse and worse, we were able to turn it into a real community asset. And, um, and that I'm very proud of. I love that when you drive into Abbeville County on 28, that's like the first thing you see a grocery store and then you see this monster library mm -hmm. and when you walk in it's not um it's not pretentious like you don't feel like some some libraries kind of have this overarching feeling of academia so you can't ask questions or you can't you know you feel embarrassed right that is not or you don't think you can put your two-year-old down because right. they might touch something yeah right and that is not the reflection that the abbeville county system has and i so value that um living everywhere I've lived, this is probably the library that is my favorite because oh. it's so easy to use. That means yeah. so much to me. I, I, I truly do. I appreciate that so much. And I always tell my staff, we are never going to be the biggest library. We are never going to have the biggest collection. But there is nothing holding us back from being the nicest library. Yeah. You know, n nicest in the sense of most welcoming, most helpful, most willing to go out of our way. You know, small doesn't keep you, in fact, in, in a lot of ways, it helps you really to does. be the best in those areas. And so that's where we really strive to, to make our mark. I appreciate that so much. Yeah, I enjoy, you can just A, A with you when you have little kids. Entry level, like there's no stairs, mm -hmm. there's no obstacles, so it's actually really friendly for senior citizens and disabled residents and parents with little kids. Like, no stairs, no obstacles to get to where you need to go. That's so nice. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you for saying that, because again, those were all things that went into the specifications of building that space. And then on a more kind of personal note, uh, I guess one of the things that I've been the most proud of in, in my personal career is um, a few years ago I was chosen as a recipient of the Bechtel scholarship which is um, there's a children's literature collection it's called the Baldwin collection it's uh, housed in Gainesville and um, once a year they choose a librarian to go and do a sabbatical at that location and so um, for a month you get to go and work with the resources at this historical children's collection. And um, so I was chosen a few years ago and I did a study on 
it was called Home for the Holidays. It's uh, children's literature as um, Christmas and other holidays, but largely Christmas, are reflected in books for very young children. And then, um, so I went and did the research there in Gainesville, and then um, that research was published in a, in a journal, a library journal, a few months later. So that was kind of one of my more personal, professional achievements. That That's I was. incredible. It was. It was a great experience. It was really, really, it was wonderful to be chosen, and then the whole experience was just great. So do you look forward to finding out like to learn about the new literary awards that are released, like the Caldecott medals and the, um, the Newberry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Librarians watch that the way other people watch the Oscars. You know, we're 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 checking and rechecking, and um, that those are given out every year by the American Library Association. And um, what's interesting to see too is that if there is anything that you have not already ordered they immediately are out of print. I mean, the, they, yeah. you know, the second that those awards are announced, everybody's ordering those. Right. Um, so you better have your orders in early. It's really fun. Um, do you kind of get a heads up of, hey, here's the nominees? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. And, and really, anybody can. You can know who the nominees are. Okay. Um, but uh, the, even the, the winners all find out, this is something just kind of interesting that people might not know. Um, there's a, a committee every year. It's a different committee who chooses, for example, the Caldecott. And uh, it's a big deal in libraries, uh, in librarianship, if you are chosen to be on one of those committees. Oh, wow. So, and then, so all through the year, they send you book after book after book after book, and you're just reading all these children's books. Usually, a, well, I don't even want to give a number, but it's it's a huge number of children's books that you um, that you read throughout the year to be in the. You know, the, and then they whittle down the number, and they whittle it down. And then when they announce the winners, they call them. The committee is kind of sitting around, and they'll call them on speakerphone. And um, they do it all, they, one after another after another, so that the winners will hear before, and then they announce it, you know, um, all together. But they'll, so one time they had, for example, um, one person, she had won for one book and then come in, uh, as a as a runner-up for a different book, and um, she was it, taking a bath when they called, and her mom was like, "Oh well, she's in the bath," and they were like, "She's gonna want to take this call." <laughs> That's funny. So yeah, they said she's the only one they know of that you know she was really wrapped in a towel while they were saying, "Hey, you won." <laughs> that's, like that's kind of that gives you some peace of mind because you think of authors as being these untouchable human beings and actually they look just like you they Ab wrote a book absolutely is not to be understated but they all have the same life experiences they all have to take a shower exactly they all have a goal. exactly um, okay so if you could give women a piece of wisdom or advice to follow in your footsteps or pursue a similar career path what would you tell them oh um i would say and, and to be quite honest i think this probably goes for for males or females um, I think if you're interested in librarianship the first thing you should do is get a job at a library or volunteer at a library and the reason I say that is that it may not look quite the way you think it's going to right. what you do day in and day out may not really be the picture that you have in your head mm -hmm. for example as we were saying, you know, there's a lot of interaction in our libraries. We're talking to people, we're outgoing, we're, you know, um, we're moving a lot. If what you think you would like about working in a library is that it's going to be quiet and you won't have to talk to people, the public library setting is probably not a good match for you. Right. Now, you might do great cataloging books at an academic library where it's just you and a book and you don't really need you know there are different kinds of librarianship and different people who are suited for different kinds of librarianship but that would be my my number one suggestion is actually spend some time doing it and see okay. is it what you think it's going to be and if not is there a different kind of librarianship that might that you might be better suited for and then secondarily if you do decide yeah, I really think this is for me. This is this is what I want my career to be. It absolutely is worth it to go ahead and get the master's degree okay. in library science. Ours is one of those fields where there's a real 
there's a distinction made in staffing, there's a distinction in salaries between those folks who have that degree and the ones who don't. So if you're wondering, is it worth it? In the long run, in terms of, again, how much autonomy you're gonna have, what your capabilities are gonna be in terms of moving up the ladder, what your salary's gonna be, it's absolutely worth it okay. to go ahead and get that, that, That's that good secondary to know. degree. I feel like sometimes when you're meeting with your advisors, because they're not in the field, they can't necessarily point this out for you. Mm -hmm. So having someone like you say, no, you need to do this, mm -hmm. so insightful. Yeah, I think it really is worthwhile, but I do think you should really see what it's like a little bit first. Right. Okay, so we've talked about your favorite thing, which is getting to meet with people. Yeah, it's the variety of the job, absolutely. I, I really do, I, I like that and I, I value it very much. Do you have a least favorite thing? <laughs> um, you do you know, like putting books back on the shelf? Well, you know, I don't really do that very much, to be honest with okay. you. Um, that's, a, a, that's just not something I, I personally spend a lot of time doing, although I don't mind it because, you know, it's books. Yet. <laughs> uh, uh, this is going to make you laugh, but leaving to come over here to, to do this podcast, I asked two of my staff members, what do I complain about the most? The only, th the only answer I don't know is this question, what do I not like? And they said, well, you don't really complain a lot. And I said, well, she's going to ask me what I don't like. I have to have an answer. Um, and the only kind of thing we could come up with, ah, saved by the bell. <laughs> the only thing we could come up with is that sometimes I have a little less patience for adults when they're not behaving well. I have all the patience in the world for a three-year-old who is climbing on the bookshelves. I'm like, you know what? They're three. It's, we'll fix it. You know, it's not a problem. And, and you can imagine, we have kids who come in and take all the books off the shelf because that seemed like it would be helpful to us, you know? It, there, none of those things are things we can't fix. None of those right. things, you know, uh, bother me. Uh, I tend to have less patience with adults who um, either aren't as nice to the staff as they could be or um, that's probably the, the number one thing. I don't like it if I feel like people aren't responding as kindly to, the, to my colleagues as they could be. I um, understand. Yeah. <laughs> Similar. Yeah, it's like, okay, I don't mind cleaning up after a toddler who like, really can't reach it, but you're an adult. Right. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. And um, I think it's, but you know, it's, libraries are public service in the same way that any other business right. that works with the public and sometimes you're going to have those folks that you wish just thought a little bit more about how they were acting absolutely that's such an elegant way to say that <laughs> okay so we'll i'm going to close with two questions um if you could pursue any other field other than your own which would it be and do you have any goals for expansion or development in this field um if i were going to do something different um I think I would like to be a flight attendant. That's so perfect for you. <laughs> I, I like people. I like meeting people. I would, I think that would be, and I love to travel. I think that would be so much fun. My guess is that if you were to interview a travel, a, a flight attendant for this podcast, he or she would say, it's probably not what she thinks it would be. You know, I think it's probably right. one of those jobs that we have an idea of that maybe isn't really so much like that when you play it out. But I think that would be wonderful to try. I think that would mm -hmm. be really fun. And um, the other thing I would be interested in, as you know, I, um, I really have a kind of a love for and appreciation for vintage clothes. So I would probably be a flight attendant with a vintage clothing store. Okay. That would be, you know. If I weren't already living kind of my perfect career life, that would be the one I would pick. Yeah. All right, so Griff, do you have any goals for expanding the library or pursuing different, um, different roles in the library? Like, do you want to be on the boards? Um, like the Caldecott board? Oh, like oh, that? gotcha, right. Um, well, we do have, and it's funny that you use the word expansion or growth because my imagination for what the libraries would need to do next really are quite literally to grow. Um, we really need a new building for the Donald's location. Um, it is, we, we just could do so much more if we had more space. And um, 
it had looked for a little while like like maybe the funding was going to be there for that, and unfortunately, um, it did not pass a vote. So, um, but that would be sort of my biggest goal for the library, and what I would like to see happen for it the most. Um, so yeah, I think I think quite literal growth uh, okay. would be an expansion would be a great thing. Um, in terms of personal professional growth, um, I just found out an hour ago that I'm going to be attending a director's summit in November, and that's a summit of library leaders from throughout the country who are going to be coming together for a three-day summit. And um, I just got word from the State Library, as I said, about an hour ago, that that's I'm going to be attending that. So that's really great. Um, I represent on the South Carolina State Board, I represent public libraries okay. uh, to the South Carolina State Board. So that's one of the things that I'm, I'm particularly proud of. And um, so we'll kind of take that, and I'll be at, at that summit next month. So that'll be that's great. so special. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. I'm I have so enjoyed it. Absolutely. Um, I like delving into more of what people's passions are with their field. And um, I have another friend in library studies, and she likes legal research. Mm -hmm. but she hates to read. So it's always interesting to hear someone's perspective of what they actually do and Absolutely. how it impacts our community. Absolutely. I'm so glad you mentioned that because, like I said, there are so many kinds of librarianship that, you know, the sorts of things that I do on a daily basis might be very, very different from what your friend does. And that's kind of neat, too. Mm -hmm. uh, but more than anything, I would just say, remember, adults, you have already paid for your libraries. So come yes. and use them. Um, they probably have much more to offer than you might realize. And they're probably very different places even than they were when you went to them as children. If you, you, know, if you haven't been in a library in a while, come and check it out. You might just be be really surprised at all the things that we can do. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Nicole's Hen House. It is a great value to me to have your ears tuned to the variety of guests on our show. If you found this content insightful, I would greatly appreciate a review on any listening platform. To contact Nicole's Hen House, visit the site nicoleshenhouse.com or you can find me on instagram at nicoleshenhouse as always cheering for you 